Well, today uh, you have something a bit different uh, because we had scheduled for Emma Ward. Emma Ward is one of our members here, and she is a seminary student uh, on her road to uh, uh, ordained ministry. And she was going to preach today, uh, but she is sick, and we learned that she wouldn't be able with us. She was feeling bad through the week, and uh, uh, and then she was feeling a little bit better, but we got the message yesterday that she couldn't be with us. So, uh, guess when we learned about it, it was Christmas Day. I didn't feel like coming over here and doing a sermon and, you know, preparing one. <laughs> Jacqueline was eating with her family, and so we decided we would do something impromptu. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell dad jokes. Is that okay? <laughs> No, I'm going to spare you that. Uh, but uh, this passage uh, from Matthew is a traditional passage, of course, that uh, uh, people often look at following Christmas. Now, we typically have, you know, the, the wise men in our manger seats and so forth uh, at Christmas and our Christmas Eve services, but they didn't arrive till sometime later. But, you know, it probably was as much as maybe even two years later that they yes. arrived. And so... Uh, 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 Jacqueline, what, what do you know about these folks we call magi or wise men? What do you know about them? All right. Well, the magi were, depending on who you're talking to, mm -hmm. they were astronomers or astrologers, mm -hmm. depending on what commentary you read. And they traveled because they were following the stars. They saw something different they hadn't seen before. So... I do find it interesting that we often say there were three, but that's not really true. There could have been a whole passel of them. There were a bunch of folk following the star. Now, they weren't kings, as some people have said. It's, they're actually not kings. They were truly wise men, astronomers, scientists, people trying to see what was happening different in the, in the stars. Now, interestingly, I just, uh, just an interesting fact, we've talked about the exiled Jews quite a bit. Well, I believe that these wise men were actually a part of those exiled Jews. Now, uh, I was reading David Gussex, and he's one of my favorite historians when it comes to the Bible, and he mentioned that they knew the scripture. They knew about the prophecy. And that would have been something the Jews would have known, not people who weren't Jews. And since they came from the East and the exile persons went to the East, then that gives us the indication that they were part of those exiled Jews. Yeah, and that's really intriguing because God long ago, mm -hmm. uh, the exile began in 586 B.C., so this is nearly six centuries later okay. that these magi, who probably were from around the Babylon, Babylon area, would have come. Man, that is, that is fascinating. So why do you think these would have traveled so far, uh, you know, at least 900, maybe even 900 miles if you follow the the Fertile Crescent, it was probably like 1,500 miles. Why do you think they would have traveled that far to have come to visit a newborn Jewish king? Well, it wasn't unusual for people to come and greet a new king. Mm -hmm. 
think. Mm -hmm. um, if they were, and with these being scientists, wise men, and Jews, this would have been an important event for them. And so they would have come and they would have greeted and brought gifts to a new king. And so what do you think? Well, you know, I think that's right. Of course, now, whether they were Jewish or not, now, you may be right. They may have been Jewish, but I think they had learned from the Jews. That would be kind of Could an interesting been. thing to know. Um, but, but, yes, they, they come. But, you know, that distance to travel, but it's that connection with Babylon and the exiled mm -hmm, Jews that mm -hmm. seems to make this more significant. And the understanding that this king mm -hmm. to be born who is announced in the heavens, and that's pretty significant. That's significant. Is very, very special, and they really wanted to know who it was. I love it. Now, one thing that I wonder, if indeed, as I suspect, that, you know, they are, you know, Babylonian Persians. Now, you could be right, they could be Jews. But if they were Babylonians and Persians, I wonder why in the world did Matthew include this particular story in the birth narrative? You know, Luke talks about, and we talked about this mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve, the shepherds, and they're odd characters to have in the Bible story. But if these are foreign people, why mm -hmm. would Matthew have included them? Now, that's a good question to ask. You know, maybe it was because they traveled so far, went so far out of their way, they really wanted to meet Jesus. I mean, they didn't say, okay, you know, we'll wait till he gets a little older and go. No, they wanted to see this great phenomenon, this thing that the whole heavens even were saying, hey, he, you know, the, the great king is coming. So I think it's their desire to know this Christ. Yeah. And this Messiah, it was a terrible time in, in many of these areas. I mean, war and and you know, so much turmoil and brokenness and broken families, famine. They really needed a Messiah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Well, you know, I think what you're saying here, you know, is, is absolutely fascinating. One contrast that I find with Luke's telling of the Christmas story versus mm -hmm. Matthew is, the shepherds, it was revealed to them that the Messiah had been born by the angels, and they were there at Bethlehem. But these magi, they come searching for the king. Yes. They come searching for the king. And to me, that says something for us. <laughs> Are we searching for Jesus? People's pathways to Jesus is, is different, too. Mm -hmm. Some people come to Jesus because of revelation. Right. And then others know something's lacking, there's some longing in their heart, and they come searching and find Jesus. So just kind of fascinating, isn't it? It is fascinating. Okay. Uh -huh. Now let's contrast these magi with this person called Herod. So the magi come from a long distance, probably from Babylon, they arrive in Jerusalem, which would be a natural place for them to come searching for a king, because after all, it is the capital of, mm -hmm. of Judah. And, and so Herod learns that they are searching for the newborn king. Now tell me, what do you know about Herod? Well, 
I tell you, that Herod is a character. I love, you know, I'm getting ready to tell y'all one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> I love the villains in all the stories. Now, do you identify with the villains? I don't. I, hey. Oh! <laughs> Outside of Ursula. I mean, you know, no, no. I don't identify at all. <laughs> But Herod fascinated me. I wanted to find out more about this dude. I mean, you know. He was such a great ruler, uh, such a, a, a great builder and architect. I mean, he did some great things oh, yeah. for Judah. He was the, uh, great friends with Mark Antony, and he didn't like Cleopatra, but he loved Mark Antony. And so he did a lot, and he was very loyal and you know, politically savvy, but that dude was also cruel. I mean, he wasn't called Herod the Great for nothing. He was great and he built great buildings. Oh, his, his uh, castle was something to admire, that palace. But his cruelty was really rough too. I mean, anybody that would send out a edict to kill all the children under the age of two. He had to be a pretty bad guy. But don't worry, it, his story gets even worse because as soon as he's threatened at all, he starts killing folk and ends up killing probably three of his sons. Yeah, yeah. And even on his deathbed gave some edicts to kill some folk because he wanted people to be able to celebrate him every year even though he had unfortunately got in a disease and lost his mind and became very paranoid, started killing everybody around him, including his favorite wife. I mean, it was bad, but he wanted people to still celebrate him because he had done some good stuff early on before he lost his mind and then killed a bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, he, 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 was, a, he was a bad guy, I mean, and, but yeah. great guy. I mean, it's this contrast this, in this, this fellow. Now, it's interesting that he was appointed to rule in Jerusalem, which was over the, the Palestine area there. Uh, and, of course, that was the headquarters of the Jewish nation. And he really wasn't a Jew. He kind of had some relationship with Jews mm -hmm. and kind of some family connections, but he, he wasn't one. And so they had a hard time accepting. Yeah. yeah. They called him a usurper most of the time because, yeah, you're right. He was not a Jew. But he... He did do some good things. Yeah, so. but he built the temple. He, he did. Rebuilt he the rebuilt temple. the I mean, temple. You know, to, I mean, he was. But then he place. taxed them real hard for all his building projects. <laughs> I mean, they could hardly live. But hey, I got you. You got your temple up. So. So, so we probably could say something political. So you know, if, if politicians build a lot of stuff, our taxes go up. Taxes go up. I'm yeah, sorry. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. But my question. Let me ask you something. I sure. find this interesting. Now the Magi were following a star. That did not lead them to Jerusalem, but six miles away to Bethlehem. What made them stop in Jerusalem? Well, see, I think it was that they, they assumed that, that, that they the would king would be there, that the, the king would, king be, would there. be in the palace. I mean, where else would the, a king be born except in the capital of the palace? That's, but he wasn't. He wasn't. No. And when they got there and they told Herod, he wasn't very happy about that thing. So why was he so troubled? Herod... He liked power. That was his throne, and it was going to be his throne until he died, and even hopefully afterwards. <laughs> he, there was no way he was going to be uh, let some newborn king come along and take his throne. No. 
He wasn't having it. You know, he was nearly 70 years old when Jesus was born. Mm. You know, nearly 70 years old. Wow. And just the average lifespan, you know, in that day and time was probably in the 50s, and he had already outlived that. I mean, he wasn't going to live much longer in all likelihood. And he was threatened by a baby. Gosh, he was insecure. But, you know, one of the things I do notice about kings who do not follow the Lord, they end up losing their mind, doing something crazy. Every time. Read your Bible. Read your Bible, as my dear would say. That's what happens to people who don't follow the Lord. Yeah. Okay, so... During Advent season and, and on Christmas Eve, uh, our theme has been joy. And all of us need some joy in our lives, right? Amen. Because of Amen. all that's been going on, we all, all need some joy. It's fascinating that in this story, when the, the Magi finally make it to Bethlehem, the place where Jesus is, and the star has come to rest, and exactly what all that means. You know, we don't really know exactly what mm -hmm. the picture that is, although they knew they're at the right place. Matthew records that they were overwhelmed with joy. As a matter of fact, if you were able to read that in the Greek, uh, it, there's, there's, there's three words. Joy is used two times in this word about overwhelming joy. I mean, it's like it is truly joy over the top. Why were they so joyful when they finally got there? Did they have kids in the vehicle saying, are we there yet? <laughs> I mean, is that the reason? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, well, we're talking about years of journey. I mean, this is, the, I mean, they really had to do some work to get there. Yeah. They had to go out of their way to get there. So to finally see Jesus, even as a toddler, would have been a great and beautiful sight. Um, and you finally made, met your destination. You have finally, truly found your Savior. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That just brings me joy. Yeah. And I can just see him shouting and, and, you know, praising God and bowing. And, oh, my goodness. They got their dance on that day. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. Can they you did. show us? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I put on my dancing shoes. <laughs> I got on my dancing socks. All right, amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think so many of us can connect to that joy because when we have an experience of Jesus, yes. when we really come in contact with Jesus, something happens to us, yes. and there is that sense of joy that floods our hearts. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Amen. Now, Herod had said, go down and find him and then come back and tell me. And he said, I want to pay homage is the new Revised Standard Version, but New International translates it as worship. He says, I want to go worship him. But we know that his heart wasn't intending to do that, right? No, not at all. No, no. He, he wanted to eliminate his competition clearly. But when the Magi entered the room where Mary and Jesus were, what did they do? Well, they brought gifts, and they bowed down, bowed down and gave gifts to the newborn king. And they weren't cheap gifts either. Yeah. They weren't things that were going to be, I mean, these were 
frankincense and myrrh and gold. These were very high dollar gifts yeah. of that time. Yeah. Yeah. But they bowed themselves before the newborn king. Yeah, hmm. they, they, they worshiped. They worshiped. They worshiped. They worshiped. Hmm. You know, I think that that is the appropriate response to Jesus in all situations is we worship. Amen. And worship isn't cheap. Worship's not cheap. Um, they bowed. A sense of humility, a sense of submission, a sense of honoring one greater. And then they gave these precious gifts. Uh, you know, when we do worship planning, we sometimes talk about offering and those kind of things. And we, we talk about, you know, giving an offering is, is an act of worship. It's not yes. kind of a, a sideline of that. And, you know, uh, we talk about an altar and being a place where people come, kneel, and pray. But that's our response to Jesus is to worship, isn't it? Amen. So, Amen. Uh, Brad and Jonathan, you think we could... Uh, spend a little bit of time worshiping. I'm not sure where Jonathan took off to. But while they're coming forward, let's pray together. Yes. Father, today we are thankful for this beautiful and wonderful story of the Magi. Thank you, Jesus. Guys who came from a long ways to find Jesus. And Lord, put in our heart that same longing that we too will see and experience and worship Jesus. And may we be people who leave this place to share with others about having seen the star, the real star, and the light about how the light of that star has shone into our hearts. And Lord, help us to introduce Jesus to others. We make our prayer in his name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.